everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the bop pod we're about halfway into the month and so commences my favorite time of year in new york city people slowly start to make their way out and after the bustle of holiday shopping the streets quiet down and you can just rest and there are countless holiday albums but my favorite being ariana grande's christmas and chill and i would like to pose a question What better way to celebrate a season that's amplified by the company of others than with an album that also celebrates horniness and romance? Dear listeners, I don't mean to be vulgar or ignorant, but do not stick a plant on the ceiling, tell me it's for kissing under, and then look at me all funny when I say that Christmas is a sex holiday. This December, for those that are spending it with significant others, but Maybe even more so for the ones that are alone, like me. Throw on this album when the family leaves. See what happens. I have a feeling you won't be disappointed. And that's it for my music of choice of the week. Happy listening and a happy holidays. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Bop Pod. I'm your host, Alana Michelle Rubin, and with me today, I have a sweet, smart, beautiful, talented comedian, Pooja Reddy. Hi, Pooja. Hey, Alana. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I realize I didn't need to say sweet, um, but I think you are a very nice person, so, you know, I threw it in there. Thank you. I do identify as a sweetie. Okay, good, good. I think, you know, more people are these days and they're being less shy about it. And I think, you know, I think if you are a sweetie, you need to rep for the sweeties. For sure. It's your responsibility. For sure. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So let's dive right in. Uh, What were you listening to on your way here? Ooh, okay. So... It's a kind of a gloomy day Mm -hmm. and I needed a little bit of a pick me up. Mm -hmm. So I've been listening to a lot of South Asian artists recently and uh, listening to a lot of women, Mm. a lot of badass women. Interesting choice. Yes, I know. Controversial. (laughs) Yes, very. Controversial. (laughs) You pivoted to women. I know. Uh, Okay. I know. No, tell us, tell me more about that. Who are some uh, specific artists? Yeah, so there's some women that I've really been listening to. Um, One woman in particular, she's from India. Her name is Shiri, and she's from Bangalore, which is in South India. And she raps in Kannada and in English, and it's really cool. It's like she's just so badass. One of her songs is called Gold. uh, She just recently came out with a music video, and then Mm -hmm. another one is called Live It. I think why I love her music so much is that she is South Indian and um, I think what's most popular or what most uh, recognizable that comes out of India is uh, either North Indian, which is um, Hindi or Punjabi, mm-hmm. like languages that people are speaking. And um, most of the people are also North Indian um, people of note, I would say. So it's really cool for me as someone whose family is from South India. I'm from Hyderabad. We speak Telugu. So 
some of the words uh, in Kannada are the same in Telugu. Not all of them, but just one or two here and there. I'm like, oh, wow, amazing. So it's cool to not only see a woman that's rapping with just like such like intensity. Yeah. Um, but to kind of be able to say, wow, she's from the South like me. Yeah, yeah. You see like a, an identity kind of in that too. Yeah. Um, are there a lot of female rappers uh, in India? I'm sure there are more than I know, but uh, two that I've also been listening to, um, this woman, Raja Kumari, mm -hmm. she's actually, um, she's also Telugu and came, like I think grew up in the United States and then now has been having a lot of success in India. Mm -hmm. and the two songs that I love of hers one is called Shook and one is called Robin Hood oh, and funny. yeah those are good titles totally and you know she's her music videos are very visual and beautiful but she again brings this like intensity to her rapping and with our show Kuti Gang we always like to walk on like our walk on music is really um like intense and uh, hype music, yeah. right? Like we want the audience to be lit, we wanna be lit. Mm -hmm. And with those two songs, Shook and Robin Hood, I always feel like really empowered yeah. by it. So yeah, that's how I was, I was listening to, I, I normally listen to that kind of music before I go on stage, mm -hmm. but I felt like I needed a little bit of a push this morning. Yeah, I mean, well the microphone is your stage for this podcast <laughs> recording, some would say. Um, but so, it's also it must be like another like an added layer of I guess comfort to and like empowerment if because you know there are so many shows where the performers will listen to trap music uh, when they come out or mm -hmm. like like American trap specifically mm -hmm. um, but you guys host like a South Asian uh, focused show yeah and so to have the music of that like culture it must like be more like important I guess yeah absolutely it's cool because it it the music definitely matches the message. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when I was in high school, it was the peak for MIA. And that's like when Paper Planes came out. Yeah. And even before that, the album Kala. And I've always loved MIA and really identified with her music. But it's it's nice, you know, she's not the only one that's out there that's doing this. Yeah. And um, this is especially a time where there are a lot of women in music that are that are out there too. Yeah, absolutely. Do you like, do you want, cause I don't think, you know, I think for m most ignorant uh, Americans or just like, you know, regular people, there's not a lot of Indian visibility in the music industry. Like as mm. far as singing music in their language, like, mm, you know, if yeah, they yeah. are, they're singing American music or English music. Yeah. But do you like, do you want them to break through more into American radio or is it like a protective thing where it's like, I don't want this to kind of like dilute the music? Got it. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I would say that Raja Kumari, she's probably the most like one of the most mainstream in the way that where she has her like she'll either rap in Hindi. I don't know if she's rapped in Telugu, um, but it's like on that. You know, she's she's doing that representation in her music, but there are definitely a lot of like South Asian artists that are here, like the um, main singer in Young the Giant, which is a like indie alt band. Yeah, he his name's Samir Gandhi, I think, and he, you know, he's he's in the music scene. But yeah, no, I think it would be cool to have South Asian artists who are either rapping or singing in 
their native tongue or you know the music of the tabla or the vina in the background for that to break through and to yeah. be more normalized but for now it is kind of like a really it's like a, a nice secret that we all kind of have amongst yeah. ourselves and are able to um yeah play and because yeah it's it's very it's interesting i'm sure that like you know they there are influences that are taken from like music industries all over the world so like mm -hmm. obviously american radio is very influenced from like latin music and like mm -hmm. but latin rap is very influenced by like american rap and you can say that for like various cultures across the world but like i guess why why do you think it's been slower for like indian artists singing in their own language to break through to American radio. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I haven't necessarily thought about that in particular. Yeah. I mean, I would say that folks that, I don't know, I mean, I know that Raja Kumari actually had a really hard time getting signed in the States. Like, she was a songwriter for years for folks in L.A. Mm -hmm. And then um, was having a hard time because I think U.S. labels were trying to put her in a box. Like, you're either kind of, like, American or you're either this Indian artist. And I think she wanted to have this fusion element to it and yeah. had more success in India being really recognized as the artist that she wanted to be. But I think there is also a flip side to that in that, you know, being American born and going back to India, there's hard, it's hard to get recognition there too, because you're not fully, you know, Indian to mm -hmm. the folks there. Yeah. And um, in America, you're not fully American to the folks here. So I think there's a really special place in the diaspora that where we're all kind of like lifting each other up and um, kind of pushing each other forward in that sense. There's This is the first time that I've felt that there's been a lack of the scarcity mentality mm -hmm. amongst um I'm going to say like the, the in the South Asian diaspora in the circles that I run in just because instead of folks being like, oh, I can be the only one that's being um, talked about right now or celebrated right now. I'm seeing folks from all sorts of disciplines, whether that be, you know, a South Asian chef or, or you know, South Asian American chef, South Asian American comedian, South Asian American dancers. Like yeah. I've just in the past month have collaborated with all three of those disciplines to put on the volley show or to um, just have a, a comedy show where we're all featured, which I mean, that doesn't always necessarily need to be the case. Like no, that can yeah. be chaotic, but it's been cool to see how much people are willing to collaborate and wanting to kind of push each other to the front versus being like, I'm pushing you to the back because I'm the only name that yeah. people need to know. Yeah, you I know? have to stand out because like no one's really used to this and, and the stakes are so high. Like there can't be somebody else like coming for my spot, I guess. Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, yeah, it's it's really, I think even in comedy, you know, like people, people can establish a brand and if that brand is the same as someone similar, then there's this like kind of, ownership or yeah protectiveness over it where it's like but that's my thing like no 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 I like you can't be doing that thing that's my thing yeah um but it, it is really interesting and I I mean you know for I I listen to a lot of uh reggaeton and um if hopefully people aren't sick of uh me saying that on mm -hmm. this podcast but I like I could see a similar thing happening 
with like Indian music too, where it's, there are so many Latin artists now too that like kind of vacillate between English speaking and Spanish speaking lyrics Mm. and mesh the two. And I think like, I think we're doing a disservice to ourselves here in the United States, like kind of putting those barriers on uh, on our music uh, mm-hmm. industry, because I think like there's a I feel two ways about it where I think that music can get better when we like open our, our minds to other cultures, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it can also kind of, yeah, it can it can water down the sound and it can kind of like cheapify it sometimes. Yeah. So like it's it's not my culture, obviously, but like. I wouldn't want like the preciousness from some of the music and like how important it is to certain people to like kind of feel less strong, I guess. Yeah, just in order to cater to, yes. yeah, a population of people who need just like a, who need the training wheels. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what do you like when you listen to the music? What do you like feel like? How does it connect with you, I guess, emotionally? Yeah, it makes me feel invincible in a way when I'm listening to a South Asian woman rapper for example for me it's something that I never thought I was just so resigned when I was younger that I would never be able to find someone that looked like me that would do that type of art or that Mm -hmm. would create that type of art outside of like MIA for example you know I always felt like it was either going to be just Bollywood, like what my parents listened to or kind of what's popular in India or this, you know, one person who has been, you know, accepted by U.S. mainstream media as someone who people can identify with, you know, after Slumdog Millionaire that yeah. like that paper planes really got a lot of attraction here, mm-hmm. even though it was very popular before and people knew her before. But um, yeah, there was like a mainstreamness that came with MIA, mm-hmm. but for me, I just never imagined again that there would be a place in U.S. popular culture where so many people from the South Asian diaspora could be excelling and just being their whole hearted selves, whether it's us in comedy really talking about, you know, our dual identities of me growing up in the South of the United States and, you know, what that means to me and what that's done for my identity to, you know, also being a first generation American and having parents from the South of India and Mm -hmm. how that is a huge part of my identity. And, you know, it's been, I'm just really grateful to be able to be so authentically myself in a way that I never thought was possible for me before. Yeah, that's really touching. (laughs) And and, and like, yeah, I understand it. It's like if there's a kind of like a a space for that here and like you don't see yourself, then it can feel alienating, obviously. It's like the huge problem with representation or lack thereof. Um, But when you like, I guess in terms of yourself, do you find that like, it's like kind of changed your behavior, the like accessibility of this music now and like just the amount of artists who are doing it, especially like female uh, artists. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, again, in the past, I was talking about my culture, talking about my identity with this, um, with training wheels on Mm -hmm. to folks who were not necessarily um, in the know. I was explaining things about Hinduism or things about traditions and culture, probably not doing, I was doing a disservice to the culture in a way by just painting broad strokes. And because I felt like 
people weren't really interested or that invested to to know the full story or to like really understand why we do certain things and um i think that's because i grew up in such a uh white environment Mm -hmm. and uh not diverse at all yeah but now it's just now i feel like I can wear a bindi or I can wear Indian clothes or whatever I want to do and talk about it in a way that I want to and make jokes and slip in and out of Hindi or Telugu in a joke if I really wanted to and not have to apologize and say, oh, let me explain this to you. It's like if I'm explaining it, it's, uh, yeah. Probably not. Yeah, it's not going to land as hard or just like the person won't understand. Yeah, exactly. Or it's I'm not apologizing. I guess that's the point. It's like I might explain it in order so everyone can get it, but I'm not going to apologize or be like, this might be weird or um, this might be a little outside of what you're used to. Yeah, you definitely, you know, I I don't think, (laughs) how do I phrase this? Yeah, you shouldn't have to like offer like a a prologue or something uh before you like go into it totally I think that when I used to speak about Indian culture I used to have like a disclaimer or sort of um that's the word I wanted disclaimer (laughs) exactly yeah especially growing up in the south and I would have classmates that would be like you know you know why does your family do that or like what are the smells that are coming from your kitchen and I was always have to be like okay, so my mom is making this because of this and this is what we what we do and it's not that weird, okay? Yeah. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. <sighs> Whereas, like, I should be proud. Be like, yeah, it is a little weird. You know, the thing, you know, yeah. or it's different and that's okay that it's different. That's just where we're from and that's what our identity is. Yeah, hey, absolutely. But, like, as, as a kid, you don't, you know, especially if, if you're the minority in that situation, like, you're not made to feel like, oh, this is normal. This is life. Like, you, you are made to feel other. I mean, I don't, you know. Yes, absolutely. Of like course. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's true. It's true. I've stopped, um, yeah, I've stopped worried about being othered and now just try to make my identity more my mainstream, mm-hmm. like bring my unique ID- identity into the mainstream. Rather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you were growing up um, and as far as like music, was it were you ever like caught in this feeling of like, I want to listen to to my music or like not my music, but I want to listen to Indian music now. I would love it if they played it at this party or something. But like. <laughs> I would say, you know, honestly, I didn't get into like a lot of South Asian music until college or Mm -hmm. until like end of high school. I was always listening to like Bollywood music in the background at home or just through movies. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really, you know, in terms of seeking it out myself, I didn't start doing that until end of high school and college because that was a time in my life, end of high school and college, that I really understood that my identity was unique and valuable and important and I shouldn't, um, again, try to hide behind my whiteness, you know, yeah. the whiteness that I bring to the table. Because I would say that, you will know, growing up, my dad loved music. I would say that the albums that were in rotation in his car were Pink Floyd, The Wall, uh, The Bee Gees, Saturday Night Live, uh, or... Yes. What is it called? Saturday... Saturday Night Fever? Fever. Yeah. Saturday Night Fever. That- <laughs> Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> That'd know, be amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I would kind love of, that. Kind of always thinking about comedy. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's in- my identity. ingrained. Yes. Totally. Yeah. I was listening to Saturday Night Fever, the Bee Gees uh, album, and then the Eagles. So... 
I had a, I don't know why my dad, I don't know how my dad found that music, but I, you know, was a fourth grader and knew every lyric to Pink Floyd, The Wall, the whole, you know, double-sided album. And then listened to a lot of NPR. I was definitely a backseat baby growing up. And then my mom is really religious and listened to a lot of uh, religious Indian music, or and we would call them bhakti patal, which is just like truly religious music. And that to me now is like it has informed what I find comfortable or like what I find uh, or what makes me feel like home is going to the temple a mm-hmm. lot because in the temple it's like all the rituals are based around the Sanskrit prayers and chants that the priests are chanting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when I go there, it's like I'm at home because my mom was constantly praying or constantly had the music on in the background. Um, Like, do you listen to, I guess, the the religious music outside of temple at all? Or is it very much a thing where like you have to be in the location to kind of like really appreciate it? Yeah, I would say that it's nothing that I'm like shuffling on my my (laughs) Spotify by any means. But it's something that when I was a kid, I used to get so annoyed because my mom would just be playing it all the time. And sometimes in the car, it just like was always present. But now it's something that I return to when I feel homesick or, you know, I really do want to have a meditative moment and dig deep and and just have some quiet yeah Yeah. it's interesting I taught we I've spoken a lot on the podcast about how like the the meaning of music can like change over time Mm. and I think something like that is I don't really I'm Jewish and I you know I never liked going to synagogue and I never liked the music but like as I've gotten older I've kind of been like oh I I should go once in a while and to like just remember where I'm from. Like my dad would always say, don't forget your heritage. And I'm like, you eat ham and cheeses. Please don't talk to me about my heritage. But it's like, I don't, you know, that is who I am. And and sometimes when you feel like it's not always accepted by people, it feels even more meaningful to be who you are. Kind totally. Of. And yeah. so I definitely understand that. And um, can we, so I, I don't know a lot about Bollywood. Like my dad sometimes watches Bollywood films at home, um, but I don't watch it myself. And I, I have had like several friends who really, really love it. Um, mm-hmm. So I would love to know like more about what it means to you. Oh man. I mean, I, so I grew up in a, this really small town that was about 90 miles to the nearest airport or Indian store, like Indian grocery store. Mm -hmm. So I would say like in the late 90s, early 2000s, my family and I kind of like every other weekend would get in the car, we'd drive the 90 miles to Patel Brothers, Upna Bazaar, many other names for these places and would go and buy these like pirated copies of these Bollywood movies. And you know, I would say like my like top three favorite from that time period from like 98 to 2001 would be like Kuch Kuch Hota Hai, um, Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum and Hamap Ke Kon. Okay. So all of these movies have like incredible song and dance, like 
plot lines. There's like a lot of family drama. There's always a wedding in each movie. Uh, sometimes the wedding gets broken up. So then, then there's like in the reprise of the song, the wedding is like actually happening to the side. Everyone's crying. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much like intelligent, like many intelligent things to say about Bollywood. Or, uh, but what I would say is that. I would watch it and it would make me feel like, okay, I'm connected in a way to my culture, but it, it, I don't know. It's like, it was this thing we would do. We would sit down and watch these like three hour movies and then I would go back to watching like, you know, as told by Ginger, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So was it ever like, damn, I just watched a whole Bollywood film like that's an incredible like a whole saga of like story or no definitely not because it was just like what you did you yeah. know it was like my parents were doing it I did always find it to be I never it was something I never actually shared with my friends from school or like my yeah, my close friends from school I never shared that with them until high school I think maybe in high school when I started really realizing that like I need to stop hiding behind again this whiteness or or hiding behind not wanting to be liked or feeling like people are going to call me weird and started realizing like how epic and amazing Bollywood actually is in terms mm -hmm. of just like the sheer production yeah. around it right like I'm not talking about like their representation and or their treatment of women or portrayal of women or anything like that. I'm just yeah. talking about like, wow, this song and dance number was incredibly gorgeous. The outfits are amazing. Like, look what my people can do. Yeah. And I don't think that I would share, I've shared that with my friends until like, again, later high school. Yeah. I would say my music taste when I was younger, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I think that I peaked musically at age like 15. <laughs> yeah. And I, I need to know why. Yeah. Okay. So I was really thinking about this because um, I've been having conversations with people about this, about their music taste. And I feel like I've just gotten so lazy since like 2007, 2008. But I'd say that my music taste peaked then because... Um, so my older sister lived in Chicago and she lived right across from, or she lived right across from Grant Park. Mm -hmm. And um, in Grant Park, there was a music festival called Lollapalooza that would happen mm, each year. I'm familiar. Yes. <laughs> so uh, the first year she like, I think she went the first year she moved there, which I think was like 2006. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me about all the bands that were there and, you know, it just was seemed so exciting and cool. Then for the 2007 Lollapalooza, I begged my parents to let me go stay with my sister for that week and uh, for us to go with one of my friends from high school. So my friend Whitney and I went to the, to, to the 2007 Lollapalooza. And I'm telling you, I was so cool as a 15-year-old. <laughs> we went. We were so straight edge. We didn't even try to drink. We didn't... Like, we just... Ha we were there for the music. Yeah. Like, it was we were so dedicated and I was looking at the lineup recently because like it was so cool. So I saw Amy Winehouse. Oh my God. <gasps> this is 2007 Lollapalooza, me being 15 years old. And these are the bands that I saw. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like in it, you know, I didn't just passively watch these concerts. I was like, okay, oh Amy Winehouse. I saw Regina Spector. <laughs> I saw Spoon. I saw Kings of Leon. <laughs> I saw MIA. 
uh, Lupe Fiasco. Oh, man. And then this was also, I don't know if you remember this, Mickey Avalon. Do you yeah, remember him? sounds familiar. He was... What's What was his, like main song. oh my gosh he was grimy and he talked a lot about sex and grimy talk- like english rap no no no, no. Oh, it's like dirty. he was like yeah dirty okay. like his whole thing was i think i don't know if he was sober when he was rapping and but he talked a lot about like his time in la using drugs like sleeping with a lot of women um he was a very sexual performer i don't know why i thought he was cool <laughs> but he just so interesting. I think he had a song called Jane Fonda. Oh, wait. Maybe I do. Let me see. Oh, yeah. My Dick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember I My Dick. Like Simon Rex. He and... got on a music festival. Oh, oh for sure. For sure. Yeah, wow. yeah. He was there. He was there. Why am I surprised? <laughs> yeah. And then people, I was thinking about this, like the band Jack's Mannequin. Are yes. you familiar with them? Oh, my God. Yes, I loved Jack's Mannequin. Yeah, and he, the the lead guy uh, did a solo uh, thing after Jack's Mannequin. Interesting. Yeah. He had a great voice. So uh, I he mean, I'm survived. not sure. Um, Answer. Oh yes. Well, I said that. Good for yeah. him. I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I, I also think he was on an episode of One Tree Hill. That's that tracks totally. Yeah. <laughs> 2007. If you were like an indie alt musician, mm-hmm. if your music was on One Tree Hill or like the OC, yes, uh, like you Spoon. were yes, you were absolutely going somewhere. Yeah, or people mainstream America heard you. That's so, and you feel like now you kind of you don't. I guess work as hard to seek out the music, or I just feel like I kind of peaked at that time and a lot of what I go back to now like it so then I went back to Lollapalooza in 2008 and I saw Kanye West for the first time live and that was an an incredible performance and then I saw Radiohead live for the first time and that was when they had just come out with In Rainbows Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't know I just that album In Rainbows was just so important to me at that age and Again, like I was very, I don't want to say straight edge in high school because I I wasn't opposed to anything, but it just wasn't the culture of my school for people to drink or smoke, really. Yeah. Uh, but I knew, you know, everyone at those concerts were all like having their own journey. Yeah. And, but I was like dead sober, like 16 <laughs> years old, like, <laughs> listening wow. to In Rainbows. Like it was really doing Maybe something for me. That's the most pure experience. It was, yeah. I think so. That was the first time I saw Wilco and really loved Wilco. I was, I love, I uh, started playing guitar in middle school mm-hmm. and really just love a singer songwriter. Oh yes. It's there. It's a, it's a different kind of talent. I almost, now I find it hard to connect with artists that don't know. I guess it's interesting because someone like Ariana, she's not playing the instruments, but like, she definitely has a huge hand in like production, the production. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. engineering. And so it's different, but there, there are manufactured like artists out there that I think more so than her, like someone like Katy Perry cannot get on board. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. I will say that her one album that like, I don't know if it's California girls is on, but she had some good songs on there. I don't know if she wrote them all. There's one called the one that got away. That's a good song. I do. I do like that song, but, but that's like one of her like least produced songs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's that's pretty like, like more like muted, um, very yes. more bare than but the others. No, I totally get it. It is. 
it is hard for me like bb rexa like all that stuff i'll listen to totally like at the gym or like it'll get me hype but i don't think i would ever like buy the album and sit and listen to it all also the thing about this time period and i'm sure you've talked about this like ad nauseum on this podcast (laughs) but the thing that i think about this time in in music Mm -hmm. is we were buying all the albums on itunes Mm -hmm. or you know from limewire or whatever but you're you're downloading the whole album and so you're not gonna waste your time downloading the whole album or buying the whole album from itunes unless you're gonna really listen to all the music yes you know yeah um and listen to every song whereas like now there's so many artists that i love and you know kind of keep going back to but i will save like just three songs from an album put that in a playlist versus like listening to the whole album i that's really interesting so on one of our last episodes i i did talk about how like when you when you bought an album it would be because like let's say if the physical copy not even itunes mm-hmm. uh maybe like a little bit earlier than this time period but you would buy the album because you knew two songs that you like really really liked and mm-hmm. then it's you're just it's a toss-up on whether you're gonna like the rest yes, of the songs on the totally. album you're like hoping you're like yeah. this better be good yeah and sometimes uh, very often it wasn't yeah it's was like damn i'm out 15 dollars yes. <laughs> but with itunes yeah it was like a similar thing because you could remove the songs from your library, but you still had to pay nine ninety nine for the <laughs> album. And it is, man, I, I'm just like thinking back to like illegal streaming uh, or Lime download, wire. yeah, and just how satisfying it would be when you found like a uh, a download that would like go really fast and you yes. just like had the song then. Yes, and it 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 felt a lot more satisfying the in those years. I don't know that I peaked back then, like music wise, but it. I definitely feel like I worked harder to find the music. Yes. I would just be like scouring. There is, I've mentioned this one song on the podcast before, but it was this like 50 cent diss track that I heard like a snippet of on the radio. And I was like, this song is so good. Like I need this song. It makes me feel angry and like strong. And I just like, I tried for hours to find it and I found it. And I like, now I couldn't tell you where the song is, but and I have never heard it again. And it's just like these like random loose tracks that these artists would release. And like now it's, you know, everything is on streaming. Everything. That's so true. If something hasn't made it to Spotify, there is like a 90% chance that I'm not spending hours on SoundCloud yeah. or I don't even know where I would find the stuff. Like, yeah, for example, I saw an Instagram story where Casey Musgraves, who's a favorite artist of mine, uh, she was performing with her husband, Rustin Kelly. He has a song that's called Asshole that's actually so good. It's very funny. And and it's about him getting arrested, okay? And she gets on uh, on stage one night when they're on tour, when he's on tour, and she sings like the the B line of the story. She makes her, makes her own lyrics about how her experience picking him up from jail, and. I saw that on her Instagram story and I've been Googling, you know, Casey Musgraves and Rustin yeah. Kelly asshole, like what that version would be. And I, I 
kid you not i feel like if this was like 15 years ago or something someone or 10 would years, put it someone on, would yeah. have put it like on limewire or yeah. wherever and 100%. exactly and it's like it's not even on youtube but i was gonna say you could download like an mp3 of the youtube video yeah and i i just like haven't found it so but i'm so there yeah. with you like it, it doesn't like because i i will listen to soundcloud sometimes but like it's you know spotify is almost everything is on there yeah and so and soundcloud doesn't have like you can't start paying for like every streaming service dude soundcloud (laughs) needs to up their ui like it's not very good it's not great but i wonder if it's that way for a reason that's true to like keep it really indie like it's like we're gonna yeah Yeah. it is and like sites like soundcloud and bandcamp like they exist that way for a reason and in some ways i don't want it to be like a spotify thing like i don't want them to go that route Mm. um but it is like i wish I don't know. I, I don't know what I wish and I don't know how I could change it so that I may, maybe my entire journey is just finding that one 50 cent disc song <laughs> that I haven't listened to in like 20 years. I think about it a lot. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it definitely the way that the industry has changed is very fascinating and how we consume our music. And I could talk about that, you know for hours um but so we're getting to my new favorite part of the episode which is uh we watch a music video Mm -hmm. and we offer commentary throughout the watch so do you want to tell everybody what we'll be watching yes so this is an artist her name is Pooja Pallavi, a.k.a. Fijiana. Mm-hmm. So she's from California, but she's also an artist from the South Asian diaspora. And she wants to really talk about... What she can and cannot do. Yeah, hell yeah. Like, this <laughs> this video is just so badass. Yeah. I, I'm hooked. I'm absolutely hooked. I also, like, I love a theme of like the center performer and then just like a whole like support the homies people yeah around them i'm a brown Oof. bitch melanin rich fijian queen wow I just uh, love it so love much because she's reclaiming the use of the word coolie. And what does that word mean? So basically, with colonization, a lot of South Asian people were taken to uh, Fiji, where her descendants are from, and they were used as like indentured servants, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the word for someone if you're like mixed with the local culture but then also the south asian culture as well or the south asian identity wow and this woman sima she's one of my friends she's a model (gasps) and she's all about representation of dark-skinned women in south asian media because colorism is a huge thing in south asia where you know most people who are in the mainstream media are like what is seen as beautiful is fair-skinned women so I love this and it's like you know I'm brown bitch melanin rich it's, yeah like it's don't awesome. erase me kind of exactly or. I love being able to see this and see people who are my color you know yeah. I'm South Indian I'm considered dark yeah in, in South Asian 
beauty standards. It's it's really interesting with, I was just also speaking about this uh, with another guest, like it, in these cultures where like brown people are the people, like they'll still use people of lighter skin in their videos for the mainstream. And it's like, but your culture is not that. Like, yeah. And in order for like kind of everybody to succeed or just be like embraced, you can't keep doing that. I don't know. It's like it's very it's like you have this platform and you, you've made it to a place where you have the opportunity to make a video that's going to be seen on a wider scale. Like this is your opportunity to use your own people. And so it's it's really interesting to me. And a video like this is like I'm just really beautiful to see, even as someone who's like not part of the culture, you know? Yeah, it's definitely I think this is why I'm so excited about South Asian women in the diaspora and, and music that's coming out of the diaspora because people are being a lot more intentional about that representation and about, um, yeah, they're just not making those mistakes, I would yeah. say, that folks in the past had, which is trying to play to that colonial standard of beauty. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's important, like someone has to change it at, at a certain point. And I think like an artist like her is, she's doing that. It's, yeah. It's really great. That's a great video. I'm going to listen to her yeah. later. I'm really excited. I know. And I love her because her name's Pooja Pallavi, which is I'm Pooja. And then my sister's name is Pallavi. So. <gasps> oh my God. She's yeah. like an amalgamation of yeah. YouTube. That's it. Yay. Thank you for, for bringing that to the podcast. Um, Okay, Pooja, we are coming to an end, very sadly. Um, so before we before we wrap up, uh, can you share what music you listen to when you're trying to like cope with stuff that might be hard in life? Yeah, totally. So I still work full time while doing comedy, and it's hard for me to be in this, you know, mindset of being at work, which is very serious. I have more of like a job that's very quantitative and intense mm -hmm. and then to have to switch at you know to go from 6 p.m doing work to 7 30 p.m being on stage to be a haha -ha comedian yeah. that uh, takes a lot of emotional and mental energy mm -hmm. so I do a lot of I love to listen to um like sillier music yeah so um, I love listening to Doja Cat. Mm -hmm. I love, and I wouldn't say that this is like silly, but I would say it's like unapologetic is a better word. Yeah. Um, and so Doja Cat, Megan Thee Stallion. I went to a high school in the South and um, it was the, the public school and there was a lot of trap music that my classmates would listen to and it was really ingrained in our culture as a school and kind of like how all of the students would relate to each other. So whether it was like the white students who came from affluent flu uh, families to um, the African-American students who were at our school as well and we would all come together and in our high school like um, student section, we were all like, chanting the words to knock a few buck by crime mob <laughs> oh and my god like it's going down by J young jock was such a big so, uh, song I, at my school i love that beat i think yeah. that beat is like dun, genius dun, 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 it's such dun, a like dun, dun, revved dun, up you know dun, 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 i mean i think they are literally revving a vehicle up but it's like it's such a amp up song oh totally so a lot of like crime mob rashida um yeah young jock like 
ooh, I think they like me yeah. to stuff like just all of that. So I do. I, I just love the unapologeticness of it. And it's a little angry and it's a, and that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, this one way at work and then yeah. I'm I'm doing that to pay my bills and to pay my rent and to you know yeah we live in a very capitalistic society oh, we do. you know and <laughs> we do indeed <laughs> and then I want to create my art and I want to be who I you know yeah I want to and you're unapologetically just like switching between these two like lifestyles exactly uh what like what song what's like a, a song that you would offer to people like of this like category of of unapologetic silly you know yeah angry oh my gosh I love the Megan the Stallion song. I think it's just her hot girl song. Yeah. Possibly. I don't the know. one that they play. I think they use it they, for, for all black lady sketches. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, hot girl's a great one. Yes. Hot girls. It's just, I just love it. I love how unapologetic. Yeah. That's just truly the word. I mean, to, to overuse it, but yeah, I, no, it's it's true, and I I'm also very excited about uh, Meg's like career and how it's going to progress because I feel like she's she's carving out a very interesting place for herself, and she's also very I think unapologetic is the perfect word because you know she is this like she has like a bravado to her rap, but like you follow her on social and she's very like down to earth like silly has a great sense of humor but is still just like mm, but I'm also really sexy and like really good at what I do and I love my body and I'm gonna embrace both these parts of myself totally. and I, I think it's especially as a woman it's hard to sometimes like reconcile that oh I can be everything if I want to be everything but also if I I don't want to be everything that you want me to be. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, if she, that makes sense. She's kind of like filling the place in my life where I wish the two women from Crime Mob, um, I don't know what their names are, maybe Princess and Sweetie. I might be making that up, but. Uh, MIG, Psycho Black Princess, Lil J, Diamond and Killacy. Oh, Princess and Diamond. Yes. Like, Meg the Stallion to me now listening to her songs is very reminiscent to the two women's tone from Crime Mob, Princess mm -hmm. and Diamond. Like for me, my favorite verse out of Nuck If You Buck is when they're rapping. Yeah. And that that to me is like what gets me hype, what gets me from work mode when I'm like doing Excel models to getting on stage and kind of like shedding my like very cute sweet sweetie mentality yeah. to like this is me per as a performer and this is me um, kind of like telling you all who the fuck I am I could see like a film about your life like there's a shot where like the camera uh, focuses on a clock hitting like five and then cuts to your phone like pulling up knock a few buck and you just like walk <laughs> out the door and you walk to the subway going to like a micro show there's uh yes totally if someone pulled the plug from my headphones when I'm in my work elevator going out of work, I would probably be fired. <laughs> <laughs> I think that a lot. Yeah. For me, it's a lot of like erotic music. <laughs> and I'm like, nobody knows in this elevator what I'm listening to, but I know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much. You. I would say that, that you are, um, um, comedy's hot girl. <gasps> I said it. 
Okay. Oh my um, god. No, I yeah, I said it and I don't think I feel like that's so argue. controversial. I'm saying it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm a controversial lady. That's what people say about me. <laughs> well, thank you so much for Thanks being for here, Pooja. Me. Bye, everybody. The Bot Pod, a podcast for the stance.